In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. My favorite parts of telling a story are the things that point to something larger than the pure meaning of the words. When I tell a story and it begins at night, this conveys a certain meaning. Or if the characters successfully climb a mountain, that's not only a physical feat, but also a mental and emotional journey. A good story is layered with meaning. The setting, the characters, the actions, it all matters. And I love stories. I love the way they change and shift throughout each telling of them. I love the way a simple story can illustrate a huge point. And I even love the ways in which they can be understood on multiple levels all at the same time. Today we hear a parable from Jesus that is fully layered with lots of meaning. It begins in the vineyard and historically one of the brightest signs of hope for the Jewish people have been the vineyard. So much so it comes up both in our first reading from the Hebrew Bible and in our gospel lesson in Matthew. The parable that Jesus tells in our reading from Matthew lays out a winding and frankly kind of confusing story about a vineyard. The vineyard owner gets tenants to tend the land, sends his workers out to collect the harvest, only to have them beaten, killed, and stoned. And then after the landlord does exactly the same thing and sends out more workers and gets the same result. Then he decides to confusingly send his son, whom he for some reason thinks that they won't kill and beat and stone. But that is not what happens. And then Jesus stops the story and turns to the listeners and asks, what should the landowner do? The people respond, kill the tenants and replace them. Jesus then quotes a line from the Psalms, which implies that the people listening, particularly the chief priests and the Pharisees, are these wicked, murderous tenants in the scenario. And they went off to plot Christ's capture and crucifixion. Then Jesus, at least in Matthew's account, goes right into the next parable set to turn someone else's world upside down. Here's the thing. I love stories. But I really, really, really struggle with parables. I have sat with this parable of the wicked tenants all week. And it has been a struggle. On the surface, all that I hear is a parable about greed and violence. There are at least eight people killed with the proposed solution of offering more murder and to what end. As I've sat with the parable, I've wrestled with the idea that a vineyard is a sign of hope for the folks who Jesus was talking to. And for such destruction and disrespect to happen in that space feels like a violation. And I can't quite put down the way in which the Jewish leaders who heard these teachings felt like it was an accusation upon them for not tending to God's gift of hope with any sort of honesty. 
the longer I've sat with this parable this week, I think I finally came to at least part why I struggle so much with parables. Because actually, I didn't and don't want to preach this parable. I didn't want to preach it because it's so hard for my ear to hear this story and not weave it back into the way it was taught to me as a child. I don't remember a specific instance or moment, and in my recollection, recollection almost feels ubiquitous. But somewhere in my journey of faith, this parable from Jesus was used to uphold a violent and dangerous belief that has peppered Christianity for its whole life. That Christians are better than Jewish people. At worst, this line of thinking has provided a religious seal of approval for the genocide of Jewish peoples. And at its best, it comes to be known as Christian supersession, a belief that Christianity is the natural and final conclusion of the Jewish faith. This is, of course, dangerous and inaccurate. I love stories, but I struggle with parables because this is the danger of them. When a preacher or teacher teaches them as if Jesus himself explained a 2,000-year-old story with all sorts of hidden and veiled meanings, something has gone amiss. The best theologians have called the parables ticking time bombs. And I fully believe that anyone who tells you that they fully understand a parable just hasn't spent enough time wrestling with Christ's words. Because parables are not meant to affirm our ways of being. They are meant to turn our world upside down ask us to see how we ought to be living differently. Which is all well and good until we realize that it's not just the folks listening to Jesus in the temple or the Pharisees or the chief priest to which Jesus is offering this topsy-turvy view, but to us as well. If I were to give a contextualized telling of this parable, I might begin by saying there is this town in Kentucky about an hour away from Nashville, and there you'll find all the infrastructure and supplies that you need to do God's work. And collectively, you'll need to bring about hope to the community, to share God's love to all, and to be so motivated by faith that you cannot leave this place unchanged. And when God comes and asks you what you have done with your time here, the response will not be the fruits of our labor, but a response of fear and frustration and worry about things being different. I don't like parables because when we let them sink in, it's obvious that we have a lot of work to do. I'm convicted that part of what this parable teaches is that God will ask us at the end of our lives what we have done with the gifts that God has given us. 
I am convicted that this parable is not a comforting pat on the back for a job well done, no matter how well we are doing. Rather, it's a challenge laid at our feet to dig deeper into the field of hope that's laid before us. It's a challenge not to turn a blind eye to the suffering in our community, to not be afraid to share the good news of God and Christ with those around us, and to hold our faith tenderly enough that even when Jesus challenges us to live more fully into the radical nature of the cross, that we can be bold enough to ask for God's help. And as our colleague says today, that we will pray that God will provide an abundance of mercy, even as we get to work in the vineyard that is our community. Amen.